0: Okay, welcome to What's A Story? I'm Kim Burns and I'm here with Lori Gelman who has so many <laughs> tricks in her various hats that I'm not really sure exactly where to start, but I just, first of all, like to welcome you after seeing you last week, last, week? last
1: weekend, Yeah, thanks for having me. No, it was, it was a, it's a pleasure. It was really fun to meet you last weekend. It was the Watershed uh, Literary Festival.
0: Yeah, the first one ever in Rye. And I was just so commenting to our producer how amazing it was for what these people did as far as putting it together. And it so- was
1: really fun, very funny. And uh, yeah, a good time. A a minute, as we say.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the, all, all of it was uh, in good faith for those folks out there that actually love books. And so many of us do. And I just want to start off by talking about your latest book. And <laughs> Yoga Pian Nation, I, you know, I think that the, the, the sign of a good book, and you know this better than I do, Lori, is that I really wanted to hang out in Jen Dixon's kitchen. There's so many things going on, and it's such a heartwarming story. And I don't even, I, I think heartwarming can be misleading because it has great edge to it. And the thing I love about it, and then you're going to have to tell me how you got there, because it is your third book, is that you have so many great characters in her family that are fairly unconventional all these really wonderful things that make it human based so and to me believable really yeah, believable for
1: an family just you know like the rest of us well you know jen started out in the first book class mom as a 45 year old um, mother of a 5 year old going into kindergarten and two t- t- uh, college age kids and she was the older mother in the room. She really didn't want to get back into that whole mess because she'd already done it with two girls. But um, she decided, and through her friend, uh, got involved with the P.A. at the P.T.A. And, and becoming a class mom. And her, it's her, um, her view on life has changed now that she's older. She's got a lot more wisdom. She's got a lot more snark under her belt, and she's just not going to take any crap from anybody this time around. And you have all those, you know. Do you remember being a kindergarten mom, like the eager mom, and you're
0: just- First time around, you actually believe everything that they're telling you. And like yours, like your second book, You've Been Volunteered, is really the perfect title because that's what they do to you. Yeah. They volunteer you.
1: No, I call it, it's like the mob. You know, they, once they suck you in, you can't get out. They'll suck you back in every single time. And believe me, I have tried to leave the PTA many times. It's just not not going to happen.
0: It's not easy to do. So uh, everybody, anybody who's had any children in in any types of schools can relate to this. And I I think the, the way that I really looked at it is that I wish I had read these when I was that kindergarten mom, because it takes a lot of years for you to get either the bravery, the knowledge or just the veil lifted that. Guess what? You don't really have to go along as much as you think you do.
1: Well, so. I mean, I'm glad I wrote them after my five years as a class mom, because in the, if I, I couldn't have written it the first year, I was too excited that I'd been chosen to be a class mom. I mean, the class mom to me was the coolest person in the school. She was always busy. She knew everyone, always on her phone. Hi, how are you? And, you know, I came into the school with a kindergartner. I didn't know anybody. So I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta be her. She's the coolest. So, right. you know, right. call, that's what sucks you in.
0: And, right. Um, it, it, well, and also, it's it's a lot easier to feel like maybe your kid has a better place in the pecking order if you're hanging around. I mean, I think that sort of goes hand in hand, hand in hand. I wonder how popular my kid really is. Well, I guess if I'm there, I'll find out. But uh, <laughs> let's let's back up a little bit, because I think. The whole idea of what you've done is not only fantastic uh, from the standpoint that it's not easy to write humor novels, it's not easy to write anything, but to write them well and to have them be so well received. But this is not, you know, first act or even the second act for you. So I'd love to have the third act of talk to our listeners about what it's like to have this incredible career. I know you're uh, Canadian. And that you started in broadcasting, but you had a, an illustrious career for 25 plus years. So why don't we touch on that a little bit?
1: So you want to go back to broadcasting in Canada and then...
0: Yeah, let's hear a little bit about it. Because I think that there are so many people that I know that they stuck with the class mom way too long. And now they're literally stuck. And you didn't do that. You unstuck yourself in such an amazing way. And I think it's, it's inspiring.
1: Well, I think I needed, I needed to do something because I did have this great career as a broadcaster. I, even as I had little kids, I continued it. And then it got to be the point where, um, it just wasn't, it was too hard to do both. And the girls really needed me. So I happily gave up, you know, my career such as it was for, um, for staying at home with, with the kids. And I mean, I, at that point I was, I guess I was on, I'd done Good Morning America. I'd co-hosted a talk show with Tom Bergeron on FX and then Fox. And then um, I was at CBS News when I just decided, you know what, I was, this is an old story, but I was I was interviewing, um, who's that cute guy? See, this is what happens in your life. There's
0: there's, there's so many, they're, they're so far away. <laughs>
1: Jude Law. I was interviewing Jude Law and oh, I, I asked him a question and then I thought my boobs started to hurt and I was like geez did I pump this morning <laughs> and when I finally came back to the room he had stopped talking and he was just looking at me and I had no idea what he would said and I realized if, if Jude Law can't keep me you know
0: captivated
1: yeah enchanted that i better like stop doing this and go home and do what I need to be doing which I did. Um, but once the girls were like both in middle school, high school, and they were, everybody was out, you know, I'd get Michael off to, to work in the morning and the girls off to school. And then I'd be like, wow, what are you doing all day? <laughs> you know? So I decided I wanted to, to try to write a book. I tried to write a children's book cause I thought that would be easy. It wasn't, um, but I knew I needed some way to, um, some creative outlet of some kind. And it was my uh, book agent at the time who was listening to me complain about being a class mom. Because at first I thought that's what will, you know, kill my time is, is I'll be a class mom. And, but that is not, that's more soul sucking than soul searching. Do you know what I mean? It just, it's, it's just the worst job. It really it's, is. It's,
0: it's really just comes down to being an obligation where yeah. obviously yeah. writing books. Yeah. my other stuff.
1: parents And you, it's like, I don't work here. I don't work for you. Don't yell at me, please. I'm doing this on my own, you know?
0: And, and you have to be nice, which I find to be the most difficult aspect of it. <laughs> you, would yeah. be tell you
1: that <laughs> so um, while I was doing that and trying to write a book, I was complaining about being a class mom and my agent said, that's your book that's your right. book And I said, you know why it's so annoying?" And he said because that's why that's why you write it. You write about something you're passionate about and right. something that either drives you crazy or makes you sing and so I ended up dr- writing uh, something that drove me crazy but uh, I had a good time doing it.
0: So how do you think that your career in broadcasting, Helped write books. There has to be some sort of link, and I just know it from being a creative and having a trajectory that there must have been something in the back of your mind, whether it was the ability to be spontaneous, except in the case of Jude Law. Uh, but you know, where where was it? in your mind because you know we have all these different talent dwells and we dip into them at different times but that had to have existed because you cannot write this great book and not have had that in there someplace
1: um i think that any sort of broadcaster is also a storyteller um when i was doing unscripted and we were just talking and doing a little host chat tom bergeron and i i mean that was you had to figure out what you did the night before and make it sound interesting so that was a bit of storytelling and then when I was doing features at uh, Good Morning America and also at uh, the early show on CBS, they, um, you, can, you have like four minutes to tell a story and you're telling the story of these, uh, either Jude Law or, you know, these, these great rescue dogs in the mountains that can find you in the snow and whatever the story is, you have to tell it. So I think I, I was always writing anyway, but I was writing more just the facts of, of the situation so when I finally got into writing fiction, it was like having the keys to the candy store. I mean, really, I was not limited in any way, shape or form to what I could, how I could you know, make this world.
0: What I think is very interesting, uh, having read a lot about your background and some of the really fascinating people you've met, the people you still know, what I found mesmerizing about Jen and her husband Ron is how absolutely normal their life is. And this is uh, not New York City, this is Kansas City. This (laughs) is not uh, network television. This is owning yoga studios and being a spin instructor as uh, the biggest aspiration of Mm -hmm. Jen's life at one juncture. And I found that to be so welcoming and i'm assuming that you thought it was something that was relatable i
1: did because i was tired of reading books about the upper east side moms of new york the the primates of park avenue the like just how hideous they all are they're just you know and, and and i know that that's like heightened reality at the very least you know i do know there are some mothers like that but i mean those type of books and that attitude about Um, being a mother sort of took over for a little while that was the narrative and I thought you know what talking to my friends who from all over the country it's the same crap in a different pile there's nothing there's nothing that we go through in New York City that they don't go through in Kansas believe me just on a a different uh, scale so I decided to set it somewhere that could be relatable to everybody sort of like a middle America, but not, not that it, not that Kansas City is typical America because I've been yelled at for saying that. It's not, it's got its own uniqueness, and, but it, it is in the center of the United States. So I thought that everybody could sort of, you know, seep out from there and, and see themselves a little bit.
0: Well, and I also think that there's something about New York City for the people that don't live here, uh, sort of a short and when bad things happen to the people of the Upper East Side. And so that for a while, of course, was why there was such an appetite for it, which, in my opinion, was squelched by the pandemic, which sort of took down the Kardashians, too. I mean, we all sort of went, who cares? I mean, really stop it. And so reading something like you know, Pant Nation, where these were just people who were funny and you know the husband is so nice. I mean, this guy is like, are you kidding me? You know how how delightful to hang to spend time with Ron. Seriously, who does not?
1: Have to say, he's patterned after my husband. He really is because we have that. I mean, that, that's the other thing that it's these like horrible marriages that you read about are these like fighting and and being nasty to each other. And I'm just like, you know what? not every marriage is like that. And my marriage isn't like that. We, we decided a long time ago that we would be nice to each other, that there would be no mean back and forth and that that's what, how we- What a re- revolutionary thought that revolutionary. is. <laughs> say it in a nice way. And if yeah. you know, something's bugging you, say it out loud.
0: So, so uh, back to the writing, uh, again, I found that the flow of this novel in particular was was really amazing. So I'm wondering if you can give our aspiring writers out there a tip on your continuity, which I thought was completely amazing. I mean, it was never when she would have a phone call with her friend Pizza that it wasn't sort of the same vibe between them. You really had to have either just a brilliant mind and able to pull these characters out whenever you needed to and have them Again, be consistent so that I they felt familiar to me when I saw them twenty pages later. But yeah. well, what is the trick to doing that? Because I think that's where a lot of people just put something down and go, "Oh God!" because of a disconnect.
1: Well, you know, Yoga Pat Nation is the third trip around the park with this this group that I've you know started with uh, seven years ago, and they really do live in my head. They are the conversation <laughs> in my head most of the time, even when I'm not writing a book. They're it's always you know, oh, I wonder what Jen and and uh, Nina would say about this or whatever, you know, not 100%, but it's always like sort of storing messages for the next time I get to write about them. And their relationship and her relationship with Ron and her relationship with her mother are so real in my head that um, I feel lucky that I get to keep writing about them because they're not done as far as I'm concerned. Like after I finished Class Mom, I remember thinking these people are not dead yet. Like they're, they still have a life, they're going on and
0: their story is not done. And they're so glad when somebody asked me to write a second book. Well, and I have a feeling you're gonna have to write a fourth and fifth. And then the inevitable question is particularly because of your background and because of, all right, I'll start out there because of who your husband is. um, How in the world do you not turn this into some sort of sitcom?
1: Well, you know what? I really hope that we get there. Um, no one has come a knock yet, but I think a lot of it these days is we're going to have to go out and get it ourselves. Um, I have written the pilot for Class Mom, and I haven't shown it to anybody, but it's written and it's ready in case somebody calls and says, Hey, you know, this would make a great TV series. I'm like, I know, I already have it written. And guess what? I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, I already have a cast in my head and everything like that. It's not as easy to get things done um, as you would think. And to be, um, although there is a ton of places now because of streaming, there's so many places to get stuff done. There's just so many wonderful um, outlets for anybody's creativity. So I'm hoping. But you you do have
0: to, you sort of provide the content in a lot of those situations versus having them. Buy it from you to produce, or I what would have rather
1: you. do it my because because Jen is so much uh, an offshoot of me that I, I don't think I could just give it to somebody else to mm-hmm. take care of. I had a friend who who uh, wrote a book and then CBS bought it, but they were like, "Thank you, and we don't need you in, at all." And he t- like they just took his idea and and ran with it, which is very nice, except that it was not his idea anymore and it wasn't yeah. his vision at all. So yeah. we're hopefully going to do that. I'm writing the fourth book now. So when it's done, I will have basically four seasons of a show if who, for whoever wants it. And um, we'll go out and start shopping it.
0: So do you think that talking about class moms, I mean, I have a junior in college. And again, what? I was the mom who was, yeah, I do. So and, Me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he, he's in Michigan. She's at USC. Well, look at that. Anyway, he's he's fantastic, and I I guess you know the big question is, um, you know, going back to Max's early days, I was so, oh, oh just hovering over him and on top of him, and then I have these thirteen year old twin boys now, that I'm like, see ya, but well, uh, <laughs> yeah. because I have more faith in them and myself. Yes. But anyway, I guess the the question, particularly after the pandemic or what have you, do you think that uh, the PTSA or the PTA, depending on where you are. Uh, or <laughs> I won't say, I will not say out loud your acronym for your group of fundraisers because it's too- Do not, it's too that's supposed to be read, it's not supposed to be said. I know, and it's too perfect and I want everyone to laugh when they see it instead of me saying it. But anyway, uh, do you think the pandemic changed at all the way we're interacting at our schools? Is there more or less of this? Are there more crazy moms? Because we know there's, sorry, I'll say it, there's lots of crazy moms out there. There
1: are, I, you know what, it's funny. I went to the first function from from our school in two years and I walked in and I saw all the people from our grade that I've been with since kindergarten. You know, we've, we've been that through. And, and I had a small, but very strong panic attack. I was like, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know who to, I didn't know what to say. It's, it's like, I've lost the ability to, to breeze through a room and, and just like chit chat, you know, Absolutely. I, I got so overwhelmed. I walked through the crowd. I went to the other end. I sat in the corner and if somebody wanted to come and talk to me, fine. Otherwise I wasn't going anywhere. I was just going to sit my drink and just and, and watch.
0: You, well, I think that's the other thing. You become more of the observer then. than feeling like you have to be in the middle of the mix.
1: But also, yeah, but also, yeah, you you don't, it's not as important. It didn't seem as important. And I don't know if it's because I'm an older mom and I'm in a higher grade, but it really, it's just like, oh, it doesn't matter.
0: Now, and the other thing is, is that you do end up helping where uh, your talents are needed versus just jumping in to do the labor. Mm -hmm. I've really found that, the, the older you are as a mom, the smarter you get about, well, I'm, I'm going to be good at that by, you know, like I don't do bake sales because nobody's, nobody's buying what I'm baking. In <laughs> Seriously, I was the, not the person who tried to bake bread during the pandemic. I was like, what good is that going to do anybody? We're all going to anyway. Please, no more bread. Stop with the bread. Stop <laughs> with the bread. But uh, so I guess one of my last questions is really about since women such as yourself who are accomplished and smart and have done all these great things, but somehow also have to give back. (laughs) And the reason I'm saying that is not because I really believe you should, but because it will be a part of you because there's so much of you out there in these books and whether you really want to go back, you already are. So how do we let those moms know who are so nervous and so this and that, and aren't that comfortable in their own skin, which I want to go around to all of them and hug them. I mean, not really, but I really want to go to them and say like, just stop, just stop and give yourselves a break and everything's fine, which is what your novels are saying. But how else do we do that as women who are you're a leader? How how do we get that message out there?
1: Such a good question. I mean, I've been asked to give talks um, where I just sort of you know it. it the talk is called um, "Hell Yeah," there's a third act, and and you know it's it's embracing your empty nest and and figuring out uh, what to do next and not being afraid of it. Um, with, the, with the moms, it's like it's like any other segment of your life you know when you're a teenager when you're in your 20s and you're stupid and you don't know but you think you know everything and then you get into your 30s and you're a little more wise and then you have kids and all of a sudden you're scared again this too shall pass and just look at the people who are a little bit ahead of you for, for guidance and for knowledge of what's going on in your kid's life at that moment and how to how to deal with it and just talk to friends because talking is the best Talking and listening. Listening is also a, a huge part of it. But you know, don't be afraid to, to show your you know your warts. You know, we all have them. Nobody's perfect. I,
0: yeah, I know I think that's a huge part of it is exposing vulnerabilities seems like such a hazardous thing for some of these people to do. Yeah. And it's really obviously what makes us human. But so, so, somebody who's a stand-up comic, I will make the comment that. Those vulnerabilities beyond making us human actually make you likable, yes. and I think some of those people have that backward, where they really don't understand that. You know, like I'm the biggest goofball in the room, and and I don't I don't mind. Nobody's I mean, nobody's denying that, Kim. Right? No, I mean that is not that reputation is not in jeopardy, but uh, but but it's so much more fun. And,
1: and free. Oh, you know, yeah. And it's, it's more relaxing. It's it's everything. But you know what? The joy is in the journey. You got to go through it. You got to go through the crap and the anxiety and all the bad stuff before you get to the point where you're just like, okay, it's everybody's journey. It's like it's like living in a crappy apartment in your 20s with four other people because you can't afford anything else. You know, it's a, right. it's a rite of passage. You live through it and you move on to the next stage.
0: I agree. And so my last bit of lecture for our listeners is that I think, you know, in so many different ways, the pandemic really was so painful for people. And I'm not talking about uh, the serious illness because that is not something I wanted to touch on uh, for this particular show. But the fact that we were so inundated with such negative information on a constant basis that some of it was superfluous and really quite frankly unnecessary except for where really needed. And I think that it caused people <clears throat> such great despair And what they really were slow to get back to was humor. They were slow to get back to laughing again as though there was something wrong with it. And I think that one of the reasons I wanted to be involved about Watershed Literary Festival and said yes, 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 immediately was that I knew we would be one of the panels that everybody would want to hear because people crave it even if they resist it. Yeah. And somehow I think that's part of our obligation as people in this type of business, to bring that to people as the gift, because that, that gift keeps going and then they can pass that gift around too. So that's my big thing.
1: Having But having said that, I mean, as I write, and I said this at the Watershed Literary Festival, that um, my editor, my poor editor has to constantly say to me, no, you can't say that anymore because things have changed so much. Not just the pandemic, Me Too, Black Lives Matter, everything has, the pendulum has shifted all the way this way. And even if it's not, it, it's just a joke. It's not based in reality. It's and you can't say it. So we're waiting for sort of it to settle back a little bit. And I think we're all as humor writers testing the waters of of where that pendulum is right now and when you can. And you know who's a great uh, barometer is my, my kids. My kids just can't believe some of the things I say. And I'm like, what? I, it doesn't even, I, I won't say
0: it because I know, I know I'll offend somebody, <laughs> but- you know, I get the same thing from Max. He's like, mom, you, you just said that. <laughs> and I said, I'm in my kitchen. I (laughs) mean, but the other thing is, is that what I try to explain to the Maxes of the world who of course are smarter than half because you know that the age and you know, uh, but is that what is fantastic about humor. And I understand that obviously the PC aspect of it and how far the pendulum has gone. But what's unbelievably brilliant about it is that if it involves your own self-deprecation you're not harming others. So always start from that base and then have your little ripple go outward and then see where you are instead of starting from outside where you can't offend people. But you can't offend people by telling them what a moron you are and why. And so I think that is what a lot of your characters do is say, oh, you know, whatever the foible is or whatever the ridiculous situation is, it's not, it just can't be offensive because it's coming from, you know, these individuals. So I just, that's, that's my lecture for today on how we get humor back so that people understand, talk about yourself, talk about what, then talk about how you are not good at being PC or what have you and here's why. Yeah,
1: so, I, I never thought I'd be like, I remember my mother saying, Horrendous things, and and I was just like, "Oh my God!" And now I'm that person. I, you know, I'm not <laughs> an, what I would think. I was. I used to say to my girls, "You should have heard your
0: grandmother talk. <laughs> oh my God, talking everybody." God. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Anyway, Lori, anything else you want to add?
1: You know, just if there are any uh empty nesters or soon to be empty nesters out there, be brave. Do not shy away from it. Embrace it. Figure out what it is you want to do, and just do it. Because you know what? What's the worst thing that could happen? You fail. <laughs> Done that. Been there. <laughs> you know, it's it's, and you try again.
0: Right. And it's never. You know, not no attempt is ever a failure because it always somehow leads to whatever the next thing might be with self knowledge. So look at me. I'm so full of wisdom Today's It's for today. What do you mean <laughs> for nothing? Gosh, <laughs> and I can tell the show all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everybody needs, to get- yeah. <laughs> right. everybody needs to buy Lori's books. This yeah. is the third one. Uh, Class mom, you've been volunteered and <laughs> yoga pant nation. Anyway, thank you. I hope to, I hope to see you soon. We'll get the kids together.
1: It was so great to to talk to you again. Take care of yourself. Okay. Thanks Lori.
0: See you soon. Okay. Yeah. Bye. bye. This is what's the story. I'm Kim Burns. Thanks for listening.